Good morning, good evening, good night, and welcome to the weekend show. You'll be relieved to know that I am joined, as always, by my timey wimey co host, Garrett. Hey, Garrett. I haven't died. You haven't died. You no. stayed alive for another two weeks. Ha, 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 ha. Staying alive. See what I did there, Ken? You said staying alive, and then I sang the song. That's what we call a, a trendy pop culture reference. This is Family Guy. You butchered it. You leave me alone. My singing voice is very nice. It's tolerable. No, it's not. It's terrible. But just well, you're my brother. You're supposed to be supportive and encouraging and kind and say, yeah, Garrick, you can do anything. You can achieve whatever you put your mind to. I was being kind. I call it tolerable. All right. I'm not going to lie to you. What I are have doing? principles. What are we doing on the show this week? It's got a fun show this week, Gar. You put the pal in principal again. Thanks, Gar. Even though you, you said the other word. Do you want to know what we're doing or do you want to just compliment me? You put the plea in principally. <laughs> that doesn't work as well, does it? <laughs> I don't understand what we're doing. Well, you said principal, and I said you put the pal on principal, but principal is in the person who runs a school, for example, is different from principal, as in to have principals. You want to be a teacher. If you did become a teacher, would you want to become a principal? No. Why? Well, it would depend. It would depend if I ever got to a stage where I hated the children so much that I was just never going to put up with them anymore. But I, I would hope that wouldn't happen. Yeah, you just want to take that sweet administrative cash. Yeah, just cash. It's like... Yeah, just go here, do, do this, whatever, wear some turtlenecks, Bernie Horgan style. Take early retirement. Yeah. I saw Bernie Horgan the other day, he looked really skinny. He's probably like, Bernie, Bernie Horgan is the principal of our old secondary school for everyone that's not the two of us. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I gave the speech at his retirement, for example. Yeah. I'm a big deal. But uh, yeah, it's probably like, what, 75 at this stage? He took early retirement, so he, he would have been... That would have been eight years ago. So. Yeah, I'd say late... No, he already 70, so yeah, I think you're right. So, But if he took late retirement, or early retirement, he'd probably be in his late 60s then, wouldn't he? Possibly. Depends how early, but... He kind of looks the same, except smaller. Mm, it's probably just not the turtleneck, or you're just taller. I'm used to seeing him wearing suits, so that's probably the difference. You're probably used to looking up at him as well, but you're a grown man now, Ken. You're an old boy. Yeah. I got the distinction of getting a note home to my parents from the principal one time. What did you do? He got kicked out of class and he happened to walk by. Oh, that's nice. So he decided to take it upon himself to teach me a lesson. He once told me to tuck my shirt tails in. Fair play. Yeah. Shirt tails is a funny word. Yes. Short t- it starts at short tails, Garrett, then it's jokes after that. That's true. Nice man, Bernard Horgan. As I said, spoke at his retirement. I was head of the student council at the time, Ken. Yes, I was also head of the student council, so you were a legacy. Yeah, <laughs> it's nepotism, even though it's a le- we were both elected officials, though I ran unopposed in my second term. <laughs> Me too. Actually, as it turned out, they, I was uh, for some reason I was sick, which is relatively rare. I might have gone somewhere more often than I went somewhere instead of being sick. But... Uh, apparently they held a student council vote in which I wasn't there and they elected someone else. Yeah. But I just I, I just clung to power. It's like the vote doesn't stand. <laughs> Democracy means nothing. So you basically dictated them? Yeah, it's like your, your vote doesn't matter and I'm just going to still rule with an iron fist. And my promise of crisps, crisps in the shop was an empty one. How did you get that to stick? What? You're basically taking over the council by force. Basically, no one cared enough. <laughs> You're like, all right. It was less a coup than like, oh, who cares? Actually, I did two terms as well, and I didn't want to go for it a second time, but everyone else was just like, eh, you're, you're good at it, and we don't want to do it, so do did, it. Did you run on anything? Um, I think we wanted to get stationary, like, stuff that just wasn't crisp and 
Crisps, crisps weren't in the shop, Ken. That was my big initiative. Crisps oh, yeah. in the shop. We got stationery in the shop. There you go. I was told it was both a health and a litter concern. So I tried. I I, I, re- I raised it to, to the, the, the powers that be and I was shot down. I'm a man of the people, Ken. You can't deny I'm a man of the people. We also bought in much maligned school jackets. Oh yeah, you, you that was on your that was on your watch. You should have vetoed that. You should have been like, no, it's too expensive for the children. The children uh, can't uh, can't all afford to buy a, a 45, 50, 60 euro jacket. That 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 that's discriminatory. Well, initially it was optional, and then it just became mandatory after we left. So I don't yeah, know. it was like, oh, you don't need it, but also if you wear a jacket that's not this, we'll confiscate it. So <laughs> Irish schools, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're breaking a little from our normal format this week, aren't we? Mm-hmm. Because ba- basically, Doctor- the double main segment. Basically, yeah, because Doctor Who is back this week. In fact, tomorrow as we record this. So we wanted to do a little preview of the series before it kicks off this week. And next week, we'll do a little companion piece where we review the first episode. How does that sound? Sounds like a, a horrific good time. As if that isn't enough gorgeous content for you, Gar. Mm-hmm. Later, we'll take a trip down memory lane and talk the most important pop culture events of our childhoods. We're coming full circle of life here. Full circle of life. See what I did there? You're not allowed to sing on the podcast if I'm not allowed to sing on the podcast, Ken. Okay. The singing embargo has been lifted as of now. What do you mean lifted? Do you mean placed? Lifting an embargo means we can we can both just sing. That's what I just said. Oh, I told yeah. you not to sing, and now I'm saying you can sing. So I just lifted the embargo. But you lifted the embargo after you broke the embargo. Exactly. So basically, like a dictator, I made the rules to suit myself. Get out. You get- We're in the podcast a week studio this, this week, so yes, the illustrious podcast a week studio, the not defunct podcast a week. Anyway, lots of good stuff in store. Really good episode. But Gar, before we let them have it. In their ear holes. Um, how was your week? I don't know. You don't know? Weeks just disappear on me lately. Yeah. Because uh, the nature of my job, like, Thursday's my big day. By the time I get to Thursday in Impact, I'm just like, where has my week gone? It has just disappeared. And notice, but uh, I, I need a detour. Ken has a, a drink on the desk. My coaster doesn't lift off the desk when he lifts his drink up. So you'll never hear that until I mention it. That's a deep pull for her. You're assuming people listen to past episodes. The, in fairness, the people that listen to the show listen to more than one episode. Hi, Rob. I'm Matt. Uh, and Ed. There you go. Our, our, our constituency of three. We're pretty huge in Kathmandu as well. Like that one episode, yeah. And that one episode where Piscathaway was where that podcast a day episode took off. And What's then, that? Uh, I can't remember. I think it's in like New York or something. It's a city, a town in America. But yeah, my weeks disappear. I don't know where time is going. It's it's freaking October. Yeah. Spooky month already. I'm in a similar scenario because I've been off work the last month and I will be off the next month for health reasons. And I'm doing a lot more stuff at home. So I'm like doing washing and cleaning and cooking and you're, exercising for the first time in years. You're a domesticated man now. Yeah, but you have to kind of fill your days. Otherwise, you're going to go a bit bonkers. But um, yeah, before you know it, like... Because I renewed a medical cert on a Friday because here you have to renew them weekly. They don't give them for long periods of time. And before you know it, like, you're like, oh, it's me again. I, I need to be out sick for another week. So thank yeah. you for that. So if I was thinking about what did I do this week? I went to see Johnny English last night. Yes, the third Johnny English installment. Yes, Ron Atkinson basically doing Spy Mr. Bean, which is fun, actually. It's a good, it's an enjoyable film. There's two very good action set pieces. One based around a, a car chase with a driver's ed person. And... 
a, a, a very amusing VR scene in which Ron Atkinson thinks he's in a VR machine but is actually running through the city of London. And hijinks ensue, as you might believe, Ken. And I, I tweeted about that last night, and the director of the film liked the tweet, so... He's just trawling Twitter, waiting for likes and mentions. Well, I, 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 the film is like 37% on Rotten Tomatoes or something, so he's like, someone liked it. It's fun. It's it's not the best film of all time, but I think it's 80-odd minutes of amusing, Mr. Bean-esque enjoyment. You, I, I don't think you can go wrong. Good. One thing I've been doing during my hiatus, or sabbatical as I'm calling it, mm. is I've gotten a chance to get back into playing my Switch. Yeah. Okay, it's right here. I'd take it out of the dock, but then it would make noise. So I'm not going to do that. But truthfully, I hadn't played in about a year, even though I liked playing it. I, I did enjoy Super Mario Odyssey. So I'm pretty deep into Super Mario. So in the last week or two, I've gotten gone from barely started to probably halfway through it or a bit more now. Super Mario Odyssey is a delightful game. It's just happiness. It's it, very Ken-friendly as well. Yeah, like the, when you're like, I'm playing Mario Odyssey. It's like it's a Ken-friendly game. Code 4. It's, it's kind of like... For someone who's not good at games, kind of idiot proof. <laughs> I like the fact that it's so intuitive that, number one, you can do things in multiple different ways. So sometimes if you try enough different ways, you'll get it or sometimes you just fluke into it. Yeah. But it's kind of like, don't get me wrong, I still rage throw the controller down when I do something wrong. And there's parts of that game that are extraordinarily hard. Exactly. But the kind of crux of it is that getting it wrong is the way you get it right in some of them. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of like basically you had to break it to fix it so yeah. i like that like a lot of the bosses i'll have to take two or three racks at just to kind of get the mechanics of it down and then i'll it'll click into place so and the way the game is balanced like there's like 900 moons or whatever in the game to beat the game i think you only need about 70 of them yeah so like to, to, to get two credits you don't have to be that phenomenal at the game it's after that if you want that extra challenge and extra bit of fun trying to track down the other moons which is fun that's that. That's the incentive for players that that want a deeper experience. But for players who are just like, I like games, but me no good. Me want fun. That's there. It gives it replay value, but at the same time, you don't have to be fixated on this collection task. Mm. And some I've been in. I've been in some of the zones, and I've looked around. And I've actually seen the moons. And I'm like, how do I get there? Yeah. It's, I just couldn't figure it out, so I just had to give up. But uh, on occasion as well, I will buy a moon as well just yeah. to get out of a zone. You know. Well, I think in order for full completion, you have to buy one of them. Yeah. Which I I always, I always bought one in every zone, but I I I, I actually didn't realize you could buy more than one. Can you? I always thought it was just one. I think I I think you can buy like as many as you want in theory. Because <laughs> it blocked me when I tried to do it. Yeah. Maybe that's a post game thing that they just let you continue to buy moons. Yeah. But yeah, you can you because eventually you can buy them in batches of ten, and then you're like, oh, all right, all right, but kind of ruins the effect of it, I guess. Because it is like buying a moon in the area is like one of the moons. I oh, think. right. I think on the checklist, I think. One of my favorite zones so far has been New Donk City. It's phenomenal, isn't it? It Like, even though, it, like, when uh, it's, this game's been out for a year at this stage, a year from October 27th. So it's been out for 12, uh, 11 plus months. But when you first get there, the atmosphere where it's like taken over by evil people and the rain is pelting down and it's all like cinematic and dramatic and you're like, oh, this game is great. It's got that gritty noir vibe and then it kind of brightens up, becomes a a cool city. And the end of it, the New Donk Festival, is fantastic where you go into 2D Mario mode and Mm -hmm. it's it's a really, it looks really interesting because they managed to mix the 2D and the 3D and sometimes the 3D elements 
are obstacles in the 2D world. Mm -hmm. So it's very complex. It's, they're clever. They're they're very clever. But they they kept the new Dong City Festival under wraps. And like basically the second everybody who plays that game got to the new Donk City Festival with Jump Up Superstar playing and the, the, the Donkey Kong tribute. It's like, oh, this is this is the best game of all time. The only thing is, the mayor is a bit of a bitch. She treats you like a lackey. She's like, oh, fix the concert and get the festival going. Get all the musicians. You're like, okay, here's all your musicians. Like, oh, the power's out. Can you go down and fix that too? <laughs> no wonder freaking she lost the city to, to, to Bowser and company because she seems relatively incompetent. She's one of those mayors that keep getting elected because people don't care about local politics. She's only famous because Donkey Kong kept kidnapping her, Ken. And then, of course, you know, it was a fair play to her. She picked herself up. She became an elected official to run a city. But it appears if she needs to get Mario to do her bidding, she, she, might, she might not be a very good mayor. Yeah. She's a very good singer, though. I actually didn't realize that she was in Donkey Kong. Yeah, she's the, 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 the damsel in distress, Pauline. Oh, that's a nice touch. Yeah, it's a bar that song is a banger. Yes, Jump Up Superstar is one of the best songs of all time. Although it gets kind of like, because it took me, I think it was about six or seven tries to get it. Oh no. So like, when you were listening to it constantly, we were getting really mad at the fact you keep dying. I like, hate the song! It's like, God damn it, it became synonymous with my failure, so yeah. it kind of got annoying after a while. Yeah, it's Super Mario Odyssey. It's like the best game of all time. Play it. Yes. Now, Gar, we said no news stories this week, but we do have one. There is one. Some of you might have heard about this story, but a Krispy Kreme opened in Ireland this week. Would you think? Relatively uneventful. A, a, a new franchise opening yeah, in a country. Yeah, it's the first one. Yeah, it's the first one. It's up in Blanchardstown in Dublin. Uh, so it's it's the very first Krispy Kreme donut shop. where Apparently, we've just never seen donuts before because we went bonkers lost our freaking minds there was queues out the door apparently like the, the, the big thing is the drive through we'll talk about that in a second but even if you wanted to just walk into the shop to buy a donut apparently the queue was like an hour long like, I like my donuts but there's good donuts available in a lot of places now yeah but, but the big thing is it was a 24 hour Krispy Kreme that, that, uh, the, through the night the drive through was open so uh, somehow there's like 50 cars you should find there's, there's tweets of this you should find the footage of it the 50 cars just lined up around the car park of the Krispy Kreme, all for some reason honking their horns. I don't understand. We're just we're just, just horrible people who can't be trusted with good things. And it, it became so bad to local residents and made so much noise that they had to shut down the 24-hour Krispy Kreme. They, they don't, it closes at 11 now. They could just We can't be trusted with a Krispy Kreme that opens for 24 hours. It, bar it, it was barely opened as well, wasn't it? Yeah, and like, America's had this for years. It was open for a week. I've had Krispy Kreme. Not in America. I actually had it in the Philippines because there's a lot of them over there. I had it in Japan. And to be honest, between Krispy Kreme and Dunkin', because they got rid of the donuts now, mm -hmm. and Timmy Hortons, which is the big donut place Timbits. in Canada, they're all the same to me. I liked Krispy Kreme because you could heat the donuts. Yeah. That's nice. Their beverages are quite good as well. I don't think I had any beverages. At the same time, it's not something that I'd be like, oh my god, I'm going to queue for an hour for. Like, if I, <laughs> I wouldn't queue for an hour to eat anything. If I walk past a shop and got a hankering, normally there wasn't a queue, so you just go, oh, I'll have one. Yeah, I'll have a donut. But you're not going to be like, I'm going to queue for an hour to get this donut. Yeah. Because uh, there's another place I can get a donut that's quite similar. Because I remember a, a similar thing happened when we got Ikea as well. We, get, we went a little bonkers. It's like, oh, we can buy furniture. We've been able to do that for decades, but... Now it's Swedish. It's funny because we've been a fairly prosperous nation for quite a while now. Mm -hmm. Obviously, everyone went down in the recession. We're the fastest growing economy in Europe, people. The emerald of Europe. Sure, for now until we ruin it again. But I think there's this, still there's like 
some kind of inferiority complex there or something that when we get like American chains or new things we were like we just get really obsessed with them for a while yeah like we're a nation of bandwagon jumpers basically yeah and there's a new thing so we're going to jump on that bandwagon until it gets kind of until there's a new new thing and we're going to ruin a local a local area's entire life experience until it, it really has to change i just love it I, I love that this company has existed for so long and they come here for i mean within a week we have to force them to change their entire business model because we can't be trusted yeah i'll always remember as well uh back in the in the height of the Celtic tiger when things were good and prosperous and the boom was there mm-hmm. there was a thing at christmas called 24 hour shopping so uh dunn stores is one of the major food retailers in ireland who i worked for they used to open 24 hours for a week at christmas so like people would come in at like three in the morning to do their christmas shop yeah i would say that's i think that's only uncommon in ireland though yeah because you, you'd have 24-hour shops in america and in in the uk probably but whereas here it's like well we must open 24 hours for two weeks over christmas but like people have weeks and weeks to buy christmas shops but like you'd see them in, in there and you go in on the like, 23rd at 3am being like where's the turkeys queues down the aisles at 3am kids <laughs> up way past their bedtime and you're like what are you doing yeah it's just so weird and i did a couple of those uh night shifts so i did like through the night and like yeah. i was on the tills and i'm like i know why i'm here because i'm being paid but why are you here yeah, you, can, you can come here during the day you know it's not yeah. it's not during the christmas period we only open from 11 a.m at night or 11 p.m at night i mean it's one thing for the the moms dragging their kids out of bed that's just bad parenting but there's some <laughs> creepy guys wandering around on their own with empty trolleys and you're just like who are you in fairness i go for random walks around douglas at night and i know like for a fact if tesco was open i'd just wander into tesco and probably buy something so I'm one of those creepy guys, Ken. Don't you judge those creepy guys. You're such a creepy little bastard. I'm a creepy young man. That's objectively true. Garrett, do we have the audio of the cars we were looking at yesterday? Uh, we probably do. It's just a lot of honking, though. <laughs> Should we put it on Twitter? We'll put it on Twitter. Yeah, we'll, throw, we'll link to it. On, there's, a tw- there's a good Twitter moment about it. Yeah. I've grown to appreciate Twitter moments. I know people kind of hate them. But, well, they rejected them because they were new. But I'm like... I lie, I Because some of them are really bad. It's like some of them, it's like one person sent a tweet and then we're going to put the tweet on it and then like 15 reactions to the tweet. And I'm like, I, I could have just seen the tweet. You don't need a moment for this. But some of them are like, there, there's an interesting story that's happened on Twitter in some capacity. And we, we catalog it. It's not even just Twitter. I get a lot, quite a lot of my news breaking from those moments these days. Mm. And it's not just that. Like sometimes you will have already heard of the story, but you actually get a good pulse of what the reaction is in the wider world about it from yeah. Twitter. And if you ever want all of the gifts and best videos from Impact Wrestling, Ken, on a Thursday night after Impact, I always make a moment. So you can go through it very easily. Gar, I could be wrong, but don't they have their biggest show of the year coming up? Oh, it's Bound for Glory on October 14th. Main evented by Johnny Impact versus Austin Aries for the Impact World Championship. You mean Johnny Impact of Survivor and Boom the Bounty Hunter? I know, right? Oh my god, it's a must-see. Yeah, sure. Buy the pay-per-view. Fight. Go to fight. Buy the pay-per-view. But yeah, we'll post the <laughs> bonkers Krispy Kreme chaos on the twitter with this episode so you can see it if you haven't seen it's it already the best. it's the best we're stupid it's like we're, america's having a constitutional crisis based on you know potentially putting a rapist on the supreme court uh we'll talk more about that next week yes but our big crisis is we went bonkers over krispy kreme this week we're just like if we don't give him a krispy kreme we're shutting this country down <laughs> where are my donuts where are my donuts oh i love ireland so we are doctor who yeah, it's back uh, tomorrow as we record this, probably 
now as you're listening to it. <laughs> or in the past. You could be listening to this 10 years from now. Yeah, so uh, if everything we said is wrong based on the fact that you've already watched the episode of Doctor Who, well, we're not, I don't think we're going to make much in the way of predictions. We're just talking about what we think the series will be like. But if we're, if we're wrong in any capacity, it's because we're recording this as a preview uh, the day before the episode airs. It'll probably go up the night the episode airs. And you'll probably listen to it uh, at the very earliest, the day the episode airs. So, yeah, deal with it. Let's not call it a preview. Let's call it a companion piece. It's more, it's more of a season preview anyway, rather than yeah. a season uh, a premiere preview. We're not preview. We're previewing the whole season. Yeah, not just more, the episode. More of a, uh, a preview of the whole season or a companion piece. So part one will be this week. We'll talk about the season in general, mm-hmm. and next week we'll do part two where we will preview. Not preview, Karen. We're not going to preview. We're already doing the preview. We're, we're going to preview the review of the episode, then the week after we do the review. <laughs> No, we're going to do a review of episode one next week, if mm. I could get the words out of my mouth hole. Your mouth. Yes. So yeah, Doctor Who, it's very different. Peter Capaldi's dead. Stephen Moffat is dead. All, yes. of, all of these people are dead. It's all new. So it's the first series with Chris Chibnall, who you'll know from Broadchurch, or not at all. Or Doctor Who. He's written for Doctor Who before as well. He's going to be the showrunner now, uh, along with new producers. And it's also a new Doctor at the helm. Yes. Jodie Whittaker will be taking over the TARDIS and become the first woman to play the titular role. I believe it's pronounced Doctress. No, girl. How many people have made that terrible, horrible joke? (laughs) Although, there is an indication in the first episode that she forgets her name, so... So, yeah. That's quite common. The post-regeneration amnesia is, like, a, quite a common trope. Trying to work out who, who you are. Because, like, the new Doctor is different. Yeah. That, that, that's always the thing. That no Doctor is the same. They're the, they're obviously the same person. But, like, the, their personality traits change person to person. And some of their memories do. So. I mean, so far there's been two trailers. And there's been one kind of sneak peek. It wasn't, like, a, an extended piece. It was just one minute of the first episode. Yeah. Which I didn't watch. Because, like, I just want to watch the episode at this stage. It kind of like I I was I had a suspicion because Moffat did this kind of thing where, because it was it was this kind of new era of the Doctor as such because it was at the time uh, a new Doctor and a new cycle of regenerations. If you look, you can actually map the the first Doctor of the old series arc to the Peter Valdi. Yeah, because you know the, the curmudgeonly old person who wants to be on his own. To kind of the kind of caring, eventually grows a heart of gold. Yeah, loving guys. So I was kind of curious to see if they go the same way with this doctor, uh, the second doctor of the old era, obviously being Patrick Troughton. Was he bright-eyed and bushy-tailed? No, he's more of a space hobo. Okay. Kind of mischievous and scatterbrained, but somehow also a genius. Because the impression I obviously we haven't seen an episode yet, so we'll we'll have to wait and see. But bright-eyed and bushy-tailed seems to be what they're going for here. It's like full of wonder and adventure, wonder and curiosity, not just in like the universe, but also in people, and also just wanting to be good. And what does the bushy-tailed part of that expression mean? I guess like I don't know. Yeah, the the bright-eyed is obviously there's a a measure of enthusiasm. You're alert. Yeah, you can't see this, but I was gesturing to Garrett to try and indicate what it is i think it's a physical feeling i can't really put it into words yeah but jodie whitaker good choice she's keeping her I've northern never, accent. i've never seen her in anything so i have no idea she's keeping her northern accent she's a very good actress she has the chops i think to play the more serious parts but she's also got the comedic chops which i hadn't seen from her before but in the clips i have seen she is and she's got that sense of wonder that sense of everything is kind of brand new to her eyes and i think that's gonna be a fun adventure to go along with her yeah, and I, I, I like the tone. Because, like, Moffat got a little too horror-y at times. Yeah. Uh, I think he tended to lean on, like, mystery and fear a little more often. And I, I, 
I like romp episodes, but if the whole season is a season of romp episodes, I, I might be like, oh, I'm kind of tired of this. But we'll see, because as, as I think you mentioned, there's no two-parters. Nope. This, this is all, like, uh, individual one-and-done stories taking us right up to the Christmas special, basically. The Christmas special kind of serves as a season finale this year, more than anything. Yeah, so we're going to have a 10-episode run taking us up to early December, and then two weeks later, there will be the Christmas special. In general, there's less episodes, but apparently they'll be a bit longer, so I think they're going up to from 45 to 50, 55 minutes, mm. and the debut episode will be 65 minutes. That's a minutes. long episode. Yeah, so it's going to feature like the episode. Well, the sun just got much brighter and now I can see your face much better. It's also rumoured that the series will not feature any of the iconic villains of the series a la the Master, the Daleks or the Cybermen. Good. They've been overplayed in the last few seasons. Uh, especially Cybermen. I don't... Uh, if they were like, we're never doing a Cybermen story ever again, I'd be like, fine. I'm happy. <laughs> like, the ma- like the Missy was a great master, so like... Or oh, mistress... Ma- Masters, I don't know. Um, but uh, I think she was a great character. She was like she she really brought a great energy to the show. So like, I think the master is a much more versatile villain than I am a Cyberman. Let's do Cyberman things. Oh no, somebody the Doctor loves has been turned into a Cyberman, which is the story of every Cyberman story. So yeah, never need to see it again. The thing that bugs me about the Cyberman. And even the Santarans, to an extent, although they've become almost sidekicks at this stage, mm. is that they all seem very similar. They're, yeah. They're too similar in their kind of MO. I'm just like, who cares? I just, as I said, I just, I never need to see another Cyberman story ever in the history of my life. Rumors suggest that there may be some classic monsters from the, from the old series, or ones that we've seen, like, in the, in a rebooted series, but nothing's been confirmed yet. I don't know who any of these things are anyway, so it'll all be, it'll all be new to me. That's all that matters. Yeah, a lot of that stuff will be new to me as well, but I think it's refreshing to have a new Doctor, new show, and just not be encumbered by any of those things like having to check boxes like a Dalek episode or having to check a box like, oh, the Cybermen are back again. They really, the Cybermen probably were the worst part of the, the finale of last season. Do you think we see any of the old school guest stars back? Yeah, well, there was a prevalent rumour uh, started by John Barrowman himself, so that's possibly uh, why. <laughs> yes, I, I think it would be a great idea if Jack Harkness came back. He's been telling that for years, but that's been kind of the most prevalent one that I've seen on the internet so far. As I have his Wikipedia page in front of me, he hasn't been in an episode since 2011. Yeah. It's a long while. That, that, that's gone from being like recurring guest star to not in the show anymore. Yeah, I think they kind of dropped, they kind of. The feeling was that his story was resolved mm. and it was over, but, you know, never say never. But he, I think the buzz around him coming back is something he started himself because he wants to come back rather than... I wouldn't, like, I have no, I wouldn't mind seeing him back. I think he, he was good in the show. And, like, what, he's been in a bunch of episodes, so why not? And I think the, the only other, like, big guest star is maybe Maisie Williams. Yeah. Who, again, was a very good new character introduced that recurred through the Peter Capaldi era. I mean, you could drudge up a, a previous companion, I guess, like a mm-hmm. Rose or or even going further back to the classic series as well. Bring back Martha. Yeah. What's Mar- what, Mar- Martha's in like a parallel universe or something, isn't she? That's yeah. where Martha was dumped. And she married Mickey, didn't she? Something like that. Uh, and what, Clara's off in a, a space restaurant running around solving crimes. She's like living her last moment forever or something? Yeah. 
and Bill is a water space lesbian <laughs> with her, her water friend. <laughs> Doctor Who's a strange show. Yeah, no one dies, but they suffer really weird fates. Yeah, and Amy was sent back to the past and eventually died. But we assume to be a peaceful death, but who knows? Maybe they, for some reason the Doctor might have to go back and save Amy and Rory from something. Though Karen Gillan is very popular these days. Yeah, so there isn't a huge amount, amount confirmed, but... It- it feels like they're, maybe that's because it's going in a fresh direction and it's a clean slate, so they're not going to do any of those stuff or rely on the past so much. Mm-hmm. Speaking of companions, Gar, the new series will also introduce Chase star Bradley Walsh, Tossin Cole, sorry if I'm mangling that, and Mandip Gill as the Doctor's newest companions, Graham O'Brien, Ryan Sinclair and Yasmin Khan, respectively. I think the first episode is set in your beloved Sheffield, Gar. Ken. Ken, can we have an episode where there's some kind of chase and someone gets caught and Bradley's like, the chase is over for you. Oh man, I hope he does that. I want that to happen now. Apparently the chase are none too happy because his filming interrupted filming of the chase. Oh, like they, that takes a ton of effort to freaking film the chase. He has to show up. They could literally use stock clips of him. It's like Alexander Armstrong forever for Pointless. How many times do you think he's delivered like the the rules for pointless or or that kind of stuff over and over they don't need him there anymore they can just roll stock footage of saying and now this is the, the round one and it's chroma key shirt and tie so it's a different color yeah it's like what what would you spend the money on if you wanted <laughs> jump cutting towards <laughs> yeah. between all the different clips and his shirt is changing color like at a rapid pace like a rainbow what do you think Garth a three team TARDIS it seems uh, busy. Decidedly northern, apparently, because the first episode, as I said, before you interrupted me so rudely, is set in Sheffield, so I think a, a healthy portion of them are northern. Is Sheffield northern? Yeah. I thought it was more Midlands. It's Yorkshire, so it has that, it's northern. It's, it's not like... It's not northern northern, it's but it's like northern. It's not like super northern. But it has the, the, it's like, more middle northern. No, it's an accent, yeah. Yorkshire. I haven't been to Yorkshire, I, so I don't know. That was a terrible accent, but anyway. Yeah. I think it's a fresh. St- I love. I say that I've. I have no knowledge of British geography. <laughs> like my, I, my, my idea of Britain is just like there's London down there, there's Manchester in the middle, and there's Newcastle on top. That's basically like that's how English England is in my head. And then yes. there, there's Scotland further up, and then there's Wales on the left. <laughs> that's England. And Northern Ireland is a different country because it should be. Ooh, getting political there, Ken? Are you? Yeah, I'm gonna leave that alone. I'm in favor of. And you like a diverse team like that because Graham is quite a lot older than the other two, and you're it allows because obviously we talked about this in the past. The companion is a conduit for the viewer, so more people will be able to see themselves in the companions and go along for the adventure. And there's unlikely to be a romantical link as well. So. Is there Bradley? Yeah, wants to get wants to get some. Well, his wife has been cast in the series as well, so like that's the first time the Doctor would. He's a he's a she or she in this instance. That's gonna be the, that, that, that. It's like the 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 pronouns can of course. That was a hot topic. Yeah, I think there would be. Yeah, that's well, that was the vitriol online when it was announced. But I think there would be a lot of backlash if like straight away she was like romantically linked to someone or that's well, what. Capaldi spent the entire time trying to bang Clara. So yeah, the dirty old man. I know. Just so, couldn't bang freaking Bill because she had no interest in him, but he he would have. Yeah, I, I think you're right. The more the merrier in the TARDIS. I think more than three is a bit messy. I think there has been in the past. You know, there's been up to four in the past, and that's kind of mm. a lot to keep track of. But seeing the TARDIS through different perspectives and different cultures and experiences will be interesting. And in itself, it's a new show. Like, it's not... Okay, there's a, there's a new there's a new branding. There's 
there's a new doctor, there's a new showrunner. All the dynamics change, even if they brought back previous villains. The, the relationship changes because not just because the gender changes but it's a different view of the world for the doctor you know yeah it's a different perspective very interesting very interesting to see how that will play out Gareth yeah sad news also Gareth the series long time musical director Murray Gold stepped down after working on all 10 previous series to date he worked on 10 years of it yeah. <laughs> well, that's sad well he did produce some very good scores and some very good doctor's tunes is Do you he, think there'll be a new Doctor tune? Oh, there always is, I suppose. Yeah, I would is he stepping down because he's kicked out? No, he decided he didn't want, didn't want to do it anymore. That's not at all! <laughs> I, 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 he, he does have some very good themes. Like, yes. I think the Gallifrey theme is tremendous. I think most of the specific Doctor themes are tremendous. I think his, his general scores can be a dead boilerplate. Yeah. So uh, I'm kind of interested for a new, uh, like, uh, a new aural vision of the show as well. He's being replaced by Segun Akinola. Sure, I know who that is. Haven't heard of him, but he's producing a new theme song as well. So, what if what if they just have like, how would you feel if they had a whole new theme song? None of the dun 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 dun. Uh, no, no, sorry, it's just it's too iconic. You would like you literally never watch the show again if they just flat out changed the theme song. I'd get over it, but you know, I like the theme song, and the last theme song I didn't like so much. Yeah, it's all right. It was kind of jangly. I don't know. I just couldn't get into it. The best one for me was either Matt Smith's one because it had kind of a theatrical sense to it or mm. the second David Tennant one. The West Wing Weekly podcast talks about the bomb swell, which is the moment in the show that goes from like the, the cold open scene into the theme song. Yeah. So so the, the bo- like that the, the, I think the how good a theme song is depends on how good that moment is. You yeah. know, when, when Beach Man thing happens and it's like, wee! Dun, 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 dun. Yeah. It, it has to get that right and every, I think everything else kind of can fall behind if you get that bit right can do like Doctor Who time Rah! it's like yeah any good theme song to me in the past all going all the way back to the origins of the series always made good use of the the, the swashbuckling adventure part and you know what part I'm talking about I love that bit so much it's a very singing heavy podcast not much news on guest stars, Gareth, but Alan Cumming has been confirmed to play King James I. Good for him. So there will be a period episode. Oh yeah, we love, we love our historical episodes with Van Gogh and Shakespeare and yeah. some of the kings, I don't know. Comedian Lee Mack is also due to play a small role in one of the episodes. I know who that is. He's in He's in Not Going Out and he's in game shows like Would I Lie to You and things like that. Because we're in the podcast The Week studio, we're sitting in front of a computer so I can Google Lee Mack. He's probably one of those endless comedians who's been on like, oh yeah, him. He's been on all of the comedy shows seven million times. Yeah, he's 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 kind of doing the rounds for a few years now. So, we talked about a new doctor, new branding, new theme song, new music, new companions, new runner. There's also a new look because the eleven series was shot using Cook and Angino lenses. Everyone that listens knows what that is. They're anamorphic lenses for the the use of. Animorphs. Animorphs. Which is a video game, I believe, where you can turn into a series of animals. Was that a, a, a book that turned into a TV show as well? I believe it was. I believe it was a, a multimedia phenomenon, Animorphs. None of it good, but, well, but nonetheless. But this was a creative decision to make it more cinematic, and through the transition from Tenet to Matt Smith, he saw more of a cinematic look, and from what we see of the trailer, it did look a lot more cinematic. 
And obviously when you have less episodes, you can put more resources into them. So it's refreshing to go into a new era for Doctor Who, completely uncharted territory, which technically every new Doctor is, but this is like the biggest change yet. And for everything to be brand new, I think that's a really good move. It's exciting. Yeah. Everything is, in the immortal words of Mabel Pines, everything is different now. Yeah. And like, I don't know what my relationship to the show is anymore. That's not to say I don't, you're going to hate it because it's a woman, obviously, because you're a horrible sexist. I'm not a horrible sexist. Girl, I love women. <laughs> oh, I have a woman at home who I keep at home as my girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> she chained to, 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 to the banister of the stairs. I let her out sometimes. Just, she, she can just, just get like fingertips on the doorknob, the door handle. So she has that like that, that, that slight temptation of freedom, but not quite freedom. Is that how you like uh, to keep her? I gave her a Harry Potter style bedroom. <laughs> Expelliarmus. Very spacious. Oh, you you mean a cupboard under the stairs? Yeah. You do have a cupboard under the stairs. There's a toilet in there, though, so yeah. you're very humane. I mean, you can sleep and poop at the same time. Yeah, you can just put honey in there, too, and leave her there. Don't you talk about my baby that way. Yeah, your dog's terrible. Gary, do you want to hear what the first episode's called? Nah. Okay. <laughs> What's it called, Ken? It's called The Woman Who Fell to Earth, naturally. Because uh, she's falling to Earth in the end of the, 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 the teaser at the end of when she regenerates. For the Christmas special. And the second episode will be called The Ghost Monument. Mm. So that doesn't much give much away about that. I'd imagine there's going to be some kind of monument for, for which is haunted. Possibly. Spooky, spooky Halloween episode again, because we're in October. It's spooky month. So everything's different. How do you feel? How do you feel in your gut? How are you excited? Are you tentative? Are you nervous? You're kind of like, I don't know. Well, the first female doctor was a long time coming. And there's... Um, at the moment in, in comedy and in, and in you know and in acting in general there's a lot of great women you could have chosen and mm. they chose a great woman so I, I wanted Miranda Hart you did? I'm still, I'm still on record I wanted Miranda Hart so it's kind of weird because Capaldi has a legacy mm. you know and the first episode the ether or the kind of air of the previous Doctor is still very much there yeah so it'll be interesting to see how she kind of moves forward with that and where she goes next as I said my suspicion of her mirroring the second Doctor of the previous series probably isn't coming to light that seems like something Moffat would have done as being a giant nerd or as Chip knows like who, who cares I mean the sense I got from the trailer was that she is the Doctor and she is the same as the Doctor's always been but seeing things through fresh eyes but didn't give away too much about what the personality and the, the drive will be like which is good because obviously you don't want to give away the ghost before the series has even started mm. Should, should we pivot to our other segment, Ken? Because we can use the very good pivot of is Doctor Who one of the seminal things of your childhood? Yeah, uh, kind of. Hmm. In a way, Doctor Who used to be on a channel called T.G. Cahir. Uh, was, that, was it Asquilga? No. Ah, it's very disappointing. T.G. Cahir is uh, basically TV4 in Irish and they used to show the, the classic series and when it came on it used to creep me out and even the theme song used to creep me out. I don't know why I just got the heebie-jeebies from it. So I only really got into it in the new series. Doctor K? <laughs> is K who? Yeah, it is, isn't it? Caird. Caird, Caird. Gideon Ospedale. What, freaking 14 years of Irish have served me well. <laughs> Looking back, there's a lot of Disney on my list, but I did grow up in the 90s, so that's a given. Mm. And it's mostly movies, but, you know... Going to the movies was a big deal when you were a kid. Yeah, it was because it was like you'd go to see like four or five, maybe six films a year. Yeah, every uh, so often. And your parents, our parents anyway, would like be like, okay, we're going to go to the telly on like a Monday. 
So be like, we're going to go to the cinema this week. And then the only reason they tell you that soon is so they can hold it over you for a whole week. Do you remember when Dad, we were, we, we won to Ed, Ed designed a new uh, Mighty Morphin Power Ranger, which was basically a ripoff of Michelangelo from the Turtles turned into a Power Ranger. Yeah. That's neither here nor there. But he, we won tickets to a screening of Mighty Morphin Power Rangers in Douglas Cinema. And our dad, uh, we won them like a, a few a few weeks in advance, probably. Our dad, we, we were acting up as we were wont to do. And as the monster that he is, he ripped up pieces of paper that he, he inferred or the tickets to Mighty Morphin Power Rangers in order to punish us mentally and emotionally, making us think we were not going to go. Before he then eventually, when we behaved and cried probably extensively, revealed that they were in fact just pieces of paper that he tried to pull a con with. We did have a meltdown, I remember that specifically. Yeah, Ed tried to do that to me once as well, where... I can't remember what we're going to, but he he tried to pull the dad where he he ripped up. I think he like printed out something or scanned tickets or something, and then ripped those. And like, this is obviously a scan, Ed. Don't you try and fool me. <laughs> yeah, we'll get back to the Power Rangers movie in a minute. But um, for me, I suppose it started in '92 with Aladdin. When you were three, uh, I would have been three or four. Yeah, it was the first film I saw in the cinema in the old Capitol, as it's gone now. I've only I was only in the Capitol once for another film you have on this list, yeah. the Digimon film. <laughs> Yeah, we'll get on there. Which is but a good film. What struck me here is like a lot of these things are still around or they're kind of being rebooted or retooled really like in the next year or so. It's actually really weird. What age are you, Ken? 29. Who do you think is running studios at this stage? Yeah, that's true. And making yeah. decisions. See, it's the exact same people who are sitting in the uh, film studios making decisions being like, what should we make? It's like, you know what I loved when I was a kid? Aladdin. We should do a live action Aladdin. And then they do. Yeah, the 90s is cool again. So... Is it cool again? The live-action movie is coming next year, and Will Smith is slated to play the genie. Ah, I I wouldn't take that role, no matter who how famous you are. Yeah, it's Robin, like it's that that film, that entire film is Robin Williams, that 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 like lives and dies on Robin Williams' energy, and when uh, like I think I think very highly of Will Smith, he's not Robin Williams. Yeah, I think it was kind of dubious as well because he agreed to do it for like uh, standard pay. Yeah, but then he said, "I don't want my name on it. I don't want to." promote it and they reneged on that and they really just promoted it as Robin Williams the movie basically also he was like you can't do any more of them without me wasn't yeah. he yeah and then they did <laughs> so but partially they did more without him because of the, the tension because of the because of the fact that Disney reneged on their agreement yeah and uh, he's in Kingdom Hearts as well there's all kind of genie stuff out there and how Will Smith is the genie Dan Castellaneta actually did the voice in subsequent editions who He's Homer Simpson. Oh, right. Yeah. yeah, he's a good... I'm sure he did a fine job. Did he do it in Kingdom Hearts? Not sure, but... Actually, Robin Williams came back to the third one. Which seems very strange, but... Yeah, sure. Why not? But I just remember, like... I, I don't remember, like, vividly, but I just remember... Specifically, the, the scene where the genie comes out of the lamp and just... Being, seeing it on a big screen, and... Obviously, that was a new medium for me at the time. I was just like, what the hell? The first, like, the first film I actually remember is the Power Rangers film. Really? Because I'm pretty sure we saw The Lion King in the cinema together, didn't we? We did. I was about to mention it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, uh, we were late, actually. We were late into The Lion King because our neighbour took us and she was an elderly lady who used to mind us sometimes. Ah, oh, Madge. Madge. She's been dead 10 years now. I was... It's, I'm, it's, it's weird to say I'm happy somebody was dead, but I think uh, the way her standard of life was at the end. It's better mm. that her, pers- her personality changed as well. Mm. She became kind of mean in That's the end. That's probably some kind of illness of some sort though isn't that probably some kind of dementia or degenerative 
That's brain, dis- brain disorder. The degenerative brain disorder is a thing. Yeah, but I said degenerative. Yes, it's like that's that's what Triple H is at this stage. Yeah, but <laughs> that was a good joke. We just got there when Rafiki was drawing Simba on the Tree of Life. Yeah. I think as it was called. I also remember I can't find a picture of it since the box office in that cinema used to be in the middle. Yep. And on top of it was like a giant replica of the tree with the Lion King. And mm. I can't I can't find it since I've I've googled it many times. I just cannot find it, but because I just wanted that to see it again because I remember looking up and going oh my god it's like the real Lion King so I do remember saying that I do remember being uh, very upset by Mufasa's death mm-hmm. and even when we rented it on video sometime later because videos took longer to come out then they killed the radio star yeah do you know now home video almost comes out as soon as the movie exits the theatre yeah it's now. basically 90 days before it used to be like up to a year mm. and yeah I cried every time when I was a kid yeah sorry just like Beauty and the Beast yeah. Which you don't have on the list. It's probably too traumatic for you. Bambi, they all got me. And when you couldn't watch Hocus Pocus? Which you should have on this list. Where's Hocus Pocus? Is it because you're just too much of a coward? Yes. So, is it okay? Actually, yeah, it's Spooky Month, Ken. I'm going to watch Hocus Pocus soon. There's a sequel coming as well. TV movie. Is it a sequel, sequel, or remake? Sequel. With the cast? Not sure. If it's not with the cast, who cares? Yeah. I'll put a spell on you, Google. There's a live action remake of The Lion King set to be released next year as well. There's a li- like they announced this week. There's a live action remake of Lilo and Stitch coming, which we were like, no, I don't want it. And I'm like, I can see it. I was no, going to tweet you during the week actually because I was watching the chase coincidentally with yeah. Bra- with Bradley, and the question one of the questions was which one of these was not a Disney musical, and the answer was Lilo and Stitch. And I was like, I'd watch a musical of Lilo and Stitch. Yeah, well, that means family can. And family means nobody gets left behind or forgotten. Oh. Yeah, but but they yeah, they announced it during the because they're they're making everything into it. And I'm like, you know what I do with Lilo and Stitch? I I take out the alien thing. Hmm. Stitch is a dog. Cause like like Stitch is meant to be a kind of a dog in the film. I just flat out Stitch is a dog, and tell the same story about a broken family, but that and a dog brings them together. They're not gonna do that though. That's what I do with it. I think that would be a cool film. Is that a seminal event of your childhood? I love Lilo and Stitch. I watched Lilo and Stitch on the plane from. Uh, New York or Orlando to New York a few months ago and I cried on the plane sitting next to somebody it's like oh this is good to do. blubbered and it's like this is the best film of all time but yeah we were talking about Lion King I, I don't I don't really remember seeing Lion King I know it was I was pretty sure it was there you were there I know for a fact you were there but I don't remember it I suppose I would have been two two and a half so that's that's pre-memories yeah so I was probably like ah colours <laughs> What's going on? Whereas, like, I remember Power Rangers. I remember, like, the skydiving scene. I remember the, the freaking fight with the, the goop guys in the first morphing scene. That's stuff I actually have, like, uh, head pictures of. Really? You can actually remember that far back? Yeah. That's interesting. I, like, they say you don't form memories before you're three. And I distinctly remember, you like, you remember this because you were old enough, when mm-hmm. I broke out of my cot on Christmas morning. Yeah. I uh, crawled, uh, like, I would have been, like, probably one, one and a half. I broke out of my cot. Uh, crawled up the the dresser, down the dresser, and then out the door. Uh, it was a jailbreak, really. And I, I remember doing that. Very I have memories of, of it. <laughs> I was an athletic child. Where did it all go? So the Power Rangers that came around nineteen ninety five. Yeah, I remember being like, "Oh my god, it's the best thing of all time." Nothing will ever top this. Because I remember being in Tesco once and seeing uh, a Power Rangers tape. 
and pestering mom. It's like, I need the Power Rangers tape, mom. And like, when you're an adult now, you could think, they, you know, they had a family of three. They both worked full-time jobs. They were, they were probably, I think we were, we were never struggling. But, you know, there was probably tight months. And then there's me, dumb idiot child, being like, Power Rangers! Get it from me, Rock! I won't love you anymore! <laughs> I'll put you in a home someday. Oh... Yeah. But yeah, Power Rangers was huge because like it's it's kid bait, isn't it? It's yeah. like bright colors and toys and all that fun stuff. Transformation. Yeah, it's like yeah, Mastodon, Pterodactyl. That's dinosaurs. That's cool. There was a reboot last year to Lukewarm Reception Girl. Uh, we like that film, so who cares? I liked it as well. There was planned sequels. Uh, there is a planned sequel. Well, there was at the time, and the people who did, I think it was Lionsgate saw them doing like six or seven, which seemed like a lot. Yeah, that was ambitious. But the film was moderately I'd say it probably broke even in the end but it, it didn't do great in the cinema but apparently the home video sales were very strong and the toys the toys and the toys. merchandise was crazy strong and it was bought by Hasbro who, ha- caused, who have an incentive to make films to sell toys which caused it caused them to reconsider and the Hasbro sale of course as you can see with the term uh, not Terminator Transformer Transformers they actually they actually co-financed those films mm. like they have a long history of toys 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 <laughs> Like, if you look back all the way back, like, toys, like, like you know, the likes of He-Man and G.I. Joe, you all thought they were cartoons first, like, spawn toys. It was the other yeah. way around. But then in the 90s, it became like, we're going to come up with this dumb anime called Yu-Gi-Oh! Just to sell the dumb anime cards. Yeah. Cards came first there, too, didn't they? Uh, no, it was a manga first. Okay. But yeah, it was to sell the cards, essentially. Also, Gar, in 1984, skipping, just skipping back a bit, Toy Story. Oh yeah, you got a friend of me. The thing about Toy Story is Toy Story grew up with me. Yeah. You know, the first film was released when I was a young child. Second film when also a young child. And then the the third film is about Andy going off to college and leaving his childhood behind, which was released when I was 18. So it's just like, this franchise has literally grown with me as it was intended to do. Almost as if the franchise was specifically made for me. And it was a novel thing at the time because computer animation... Didn't exist. Well, they had shorts and things like that. Pixar have been yeah. had some success with it, but it's the first fully computer animated film. Now it's the norm, of course, in the industry. But at the time, it was revolutionary. It even got an Oscar for its achievement, even though there was no animation category at that time. You know what's remarkable about Toy Story? Yeah. You watch that film now, and you're like, that could have been released yesterday. It still holds up. Yeah, like legitimately, it could have been released yesterday. In fact, there's there's not like the detailed Pixar animation there anymore. But like in terms of picture quality and animation quality, could have been released yesterday. See, the thing to me is, like, it's very high fidelity these days, but I almost prefer the way it was, because, like, when animation becomes too real-looking, that defeats the purpose for me. You could just film it. <laughs> yeah, because it's, it's basically a moving picture. It's art. And when it becomes, like, when the goal becomes for it to be as real as possible, and don't get me wrong, I know you're trying to push the boundaries and, you know, improve the technology, but when it becomes too real-looking, then it just becomes something else. It's not animation to me. Mm. It's more like um, motion capture or something like that. You know? This is a recurring trend on this list, Ken. Things that are currently being remade. Yeah. <laughs> so, as you said, Garrett, the trilogy was damn near perfect. It's one of the only trilogies I can think of where each film was as good, if not better, than the previous one. Yeah. And it grew up with us, and it got to the point at the end where it was such a satisfying climax, both because it was closure and it was kind of you felt in transition in your life much like Andy did and they ruined it because the fourth one is coming next year apparently the fourth one's just going to be a flat out rom-com though which I'm on board with yeah I think they're kind of jettisoning I think they're kind of jettisoning 
That's a hard word to say. Jettisoning. I, I always say, like, every podcast, I seem to come up with one word that just... It's your mouth, your mouth cannot form jettisoning. Jettisoning, I got it. They're kind of, you know, you know the new kid, the, to- the girl who Andy gave the toys to? Yeah. All that's going by the wayside, and it's just, basically, they're telling one of the unanswered questions. Word for people. Pre- Stop bur- Sorry. <laughs> Stop burying Madame Neat. Yeah. Yeah, the previous movies you're like like I didn't and the weird thing was when I watched the third film, I didn't even think about it until I until afterwards I was like, I was like wait a second. Where did Bo Peep go? <laughs> exactly. And as much as I did want to know the answer to that, and I will add that the shorts have been pretty satisfying and pretty that- consistently good that's that's the thing uh, after Toy Story 3 I would have been I don't want another Toy Story thing and then the TV shorts the TV specials they've had three or four of them all have been very very good yeah. like really good and I'm like alright you keep going I don't care if they're good who cares yeah and as I said they're kind of pushing in a direction that's separate from the trilogy so I think you can still take it as its own thing hmm so uh, have you got anything else on your list around the mid 90s here uh Pokemon that's the late 90s. Pokemon started in 96, Tonto. Well, it came to our consciousness around 1999, 2000, Gar, so we have some more stuff on our list before then, sorry. All right. Next on my list, Gar, is Space Jam 1997. Also currently being remade. <laughs> yes. Not remade, so a long-touted sequel starring LeBron James, who is basically the Michael Jordan of this era. Is he? Yeah, not, probably. He's not as successful. He's been at more finals, but he's lost uh, most of them. But also, like, he brought teams that had no business being there as well. Exactly, so... Single-handedly. He's unfortunate to be surrounded by losers. Yeah. It's confirmed to be in development at the moment at Warner Brothers, with Black Panther director Ryan Coogler signing on to direct and produce. So Is he not... directing? Yeah. I thought he was just producing. He's directing it. He's I'm been, like, full on that. all this project. I think he is. And, like, if that's true, there's a pretty big you know names and like obviously LeBron James is the biggest sports star at the moment he has transitioned into acting in the last few years and he's been moderately successful although I think people are quite generous to sports stars who act and aren't terrible yeah Ryan Coogler is only uh, only producing Terrence Nance of Random Acts of Flyness is directing that's what we call in the industry Ken a Ken fact yeah that is kind of true yeah but actually it turns out false in a way actually it's it's just alternative facts that's the way of the world now the point is that it's got some pretty big people behind it in terms of the backing and the the production and the creative. So I have confidence that it might be good. And I've said this before, Gar. That was one of the seminal events of my childhood because that film, I loved it. Partly because I believe I can fly and that's a bit problematic these days because of Orkelly. But The song is good. I remember just getting so emotional about it. I don't know why. I just thought it was such a kind of... like the, the, the end was so satisfying. I'm fairly certain Ed's love of basketball comes from this film as well. Do you know enough about it as well? Like, it has the likes of Bill Murray in it and, and other people. That guy from Jurassic Park. That guy from Jurassic Park. But, like, nobody's treating it like a kid's film. It is a bit wacky and slapstick. That's the nature of the, mm. the Looney Tunes. But everyone is kind of earnest in wanting it to be good, so they don't treat it like a kiddie film. So it turned out good because people actually just did their best rather than said, oh, it's just a kid's flick, you know. And even Michael Jordan is pretty good in it as an actor. Oh. Mm. They limit him. He is serviceable. That's what I'm saying. And one of my other points I was going to make there, Gar, is that the Looney Tunes have disappeared. Yeah, they're dead. In today's world. And, like, to me, they should be as ubiquitous as any of the Disney characters. They should be in the public consciousness. And they should be, you know, they're, they should be that kind of treasured property. But they're really not. The Warner Brothers have really dropped the ball in the last few years. Yeah. But there, there, there's an active, active plan to bring back the Looney Tunes in the next year, though. 
Yeah. Including Space Jam, a, a Wile E. Coyote uh, animated film, and a, a, I think they have like a thousand hours of shorts ready to go. Yeah. So they're, 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 they're bringing back the Looney Tunes, Ken. They're not dead. Are they going in the, the old style of the shorts? Because I've seen some of the newer shorts and they don't have the same kind of Oh, they're 3D. They're 3D as well, aren't they? Some of them? Some of them, yeah. Which is monstrous. These no. these old 2D animations should never be in 3D. But, like, you know, the Looney Tunes, we could go down a rabbit hole with the Looney Tunes and themselves. But, you know, they need to have the same kind of wit and pushing the boundaries that... First, if you look at the, the other Warner Brothers cartoons, the Animaniacs, the Pinky and the Brains of the world, those would also fall under these very important childhood cartoons. Yes. And uh, Animaniacs is coming back as well. Yeah. Commission new episodes. So, yeah, the Looney Tunes are coming back. I'm very happy to see that. But I hope it's just still with the kind of... Uh, it has. They have that adult edge. I still hope they have that. Mm. They haven't been sanitized for a family audience, you know. But I'm confident about Space Jam too. I don't... Although, I don't see where... The Monstars come back. Oh, no. But they turn good in the end, though. New Monstars come. Oh, no. Yeah, they'll figure it out. I'm it's, sure it's not going to be like, oh, this is an Oscar-nominated film for its incredibly deep story. True. It's like something dumb happens and there needs to be another basketball game. Oh, no. I also have Hercules on my list. And funnily enough, I wasn't really anticipating this film at the time as a child. When I saw it, I just really identified with it I assume you mean the 2015 Dwayne The Rock Johnson film completely yes when I was a child yes <laughs> but it's the 1997 animation um, apparently the songs and the music are, they really kind of resonate with me but like I don't know I was in a time in my life I wasn't terribly popular I was bullied I didn't feel like I fit in or I belonged and it kind of that, that message kind of rang true for me and then you, you heard Go the Distance and I'm like I could go the distance yeah Michael Bolton is like you, Kenneth, you can go the distance. And you're like, oh, Michael Bolton. I can go the distance, Michael Bolton, thank you. But the thing about Hercules is that I think it's one of the less... What's the best word? Good. It? No, it's, it is. It's very good. <laughs> okay. How dare you? But it doesn't get the chops it deserves, or the props it deserves, I should say. But I think plenty of people love it. Yeah. I, I personally have, like, Tarzan's probably better than it. And... I think both of them are underrated in the canon. Lilo and Stitch is definitely better than that. Lilo and Stitch is... Actually, no, I think Lilo and Stitch kind of got its due over time. Yeah. Underrated at the time, but I think I think there's a very, very firm fan base for that film these days. It became a cult classic, and he's one of the best sellers at the, at the parks in terms of the toys he, and stuff. You'd be surprised how much Stitch is still around. Yeah. Especially because Stitch hasn't been in a thing in about 10 years yeah. since the TV show ended. So, yeah. Stitch. Stitch lived, but Hercules didn't. Well, Hercules is still in the Kingdom Hearts games, so... Yeah. He has a world in the upcoming Kingdom Hearts 3. So The PlayStation game was neat as well. Do you remember that? Oh, yes. I have it on the shelf over there. Do I? A Bug's Life? Um, apparently, I don't. I have Tarzan and A Bug's Life, both of which are also good games. Those Disney those Disney PS1 games, underrated. Surprisingly hard as well. Yes, they are difficult. Mostly because they're probably badly made at times. <laughs> Next here on my list, Gary, I have quite an extensive list, so but we won't be too much longer, I promise. Please stick with us and... If they're in an hour, they're to the end. You're too far in now. You may as well go for the rest you of You don't have to beg for their attention now. If <laughs> we haven't driven them away within an hour, we got them. We got them hooked. Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. I have absolutely no connection to Star Wars. None. I was about to say the same because I wasn't a fan of the original franchise as a kid. But I remember when this came out. And I remember it being a big deal. Mm. And I had some money because I think my nan gave me £10, which is a lot of money at the time. When was this? 99. Mm. You would have been... I was going to think maybe confirmation, but no, not quite. I was 10. Communion? And... No, a year later in communion. I had... No, three years. I did mine at seven. Did you? Yeah. 
right. and they changed it to eight in Ireland. But yeah, I just remember I had money, money, and me and Ed were walking around uh, our local village, and he was like, "Oh, you should take me to the cinema." So I paid money for him, my money, to, for him to go. Typical Ed swindled me. So we got a bunch of sick pick and mix to the point where he felt sick, and I got one of those giant gobstoppers, which really annoyed mum. And I went to see it, and I was like, first of all, Liam Neeson, and second of all, double-sided lightsaber. I am in. Objectively, the coolest thing in the Star Wars universe. Yeah. So I, Darth Maul was such a cool presence, and. I had a Darth Maul costume, I had a double-sided lightsaber, so I was all in on that one. Yeah, and like people rave, I'm, I'm always fascinated for like a franchise that is as fondly held as Star Wars by the fact that I think there's two good Star Wars films, and then maybe like a couple of decent ones, and then the rest are kind of bad. <laughs> yeah. So but yet it spawned the cultural phenomenon, Ken, typically in America. But they couldn't get it made in America, couldn't they? They had to go to England to get it made. Well, probably, yeah. So. And wasn't, wasn't George Lucas like desperately afraid it would be a flop yeah they need to do like i think it was with et him and spielberg it's like we'll do we'll swap 10 percent of our respective films as a hedging thing and spielberg's like <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think i think that's the story i might make that i might be making that up Although he, that... Did, he did back himself in some ways because he insisted on keeping the merchandising rights mm. And he got a like he gave up a fee to get a piece of the gross mm. so in a way i guess he knew that he had something on his hands. Also, if that deal with Spielberg involved John Williams in any way, because John Williams is obviously does the score to the Star Wars films, uh, he came up good because the only reason that film, those films are good is John Williams' music. I will, yeah. I will die by that take. <laughs> you know, that's the hill you're willing to die on. Yeah, the only reason the Star Wars films are good is because John Williams is tremendous at his job. But yeah, no relationship with Star Wars. None. None whatsoever. And as you know, to this day, there are sequels. There's a new trilogy which we are in the midst of at the moment, and spin-off movies, which include Solo, which was, wasn't very good. It's year. fine. Is that this year? Yeah. Oh, God. It's just it was the video now. summer, wasn't it? Yeah. Oh, God. It was on the day of the referendum for uh, yeah. abortion rights here. That's nice. It's kind of a coincidence because it's an abortion of a movie. Oh, okay. Ooh. I felt that one. It's also, the film's not that bad. Come on. It was, it was alright. It's fine. Pokemon! Yes, the, now you may talk about the Pokemon phenomenon here. Which, Pokemon took over my life, and like, I still love Pokemon. It still does, like, I'm very much looking forward to Let's Go Eevee or Let's Go Pikachu. Yeah, I'm like, I'm, I'm hyped to go back to those original Pokemon games, because they're, re- they're basically remakes of Pokemon Yellow, yeah. with Pikachu following you, and you can catch Charmander and Squirtle and Bulbasaur. I'm on board, and people are like, oh, it's going to be a dumbed-down Pokemon experience. Yes, because Pokemon was known for its difficulty. Come on, son. Also, it's tremendous. People are always like, oh, Pokemon isn't that complicated. It's like, there's over 800 Pokemon, Ken, most of which have different types and special moves and hidden mechanics and all have hidden special abilities. And if you come into the series in Generation 7 being like, what the hell are these 800 playable characters and what the hell am I doing with my life? That is daunting and terrifying. So they're bringing it back for new people who might have played Pokemon Go to have a fun experience to experience what people experienced now 20, 20 plus years ago. People are taking exception with the Pokemon Go bit saying that they're being forced to play Pokemon Go, but apparently that's optional as far as I know. Yeah, you can get some cool stuff. And Pokemon Go is a fine, good game. I know people are getting back into it now. It's kind of having a second wave. Yeah, it's, uh, and like people are like, oh, it's uh, Pokemon Go's dead, dead. It's like, no, Pokemon Go makes a lot of money every every month. It just it just fell from cultural phenomenon to tremendous success. Yeah. It's like Oh no. Yeah, oh no, it can't remain a cultural phenomenon all the time. I'm sure they'll dry their tears at their millions of dollars. Yeah. But I remember I was into the cards, I was into the games. Mm-hmm. Uh I still into the games. Yep. I don't play with the cards anymore, but I still have them. 
Yeah, I bought a packet of cards recently. They're in, they're up there in the thing somewhere. You're, yeah, you were threatening to do that for a long time. I was. I was like, I'm going to buy some Pokemon cards. And I finally bought some Pokemon cards. Speaking of cards, Gar, I remember at the time that the Pokemon movie came out, you, you got a free card. The, the Mewtwo. The Mewtwo. No, that, that was the sequel. Oh, yeah, that's Mewtwo Strikes Back. Uh, so at the time you got uh, a card. I remember the Dragonite. With each ticket. And there was, a, there was an electabuzz as well. Yeah. And I was so paranoid that I was going to sell out. So I, I actually, by myself, I wasn't that old. I must have been about 10. Walked down to the village, bought my tickets in advance a few days earlier and didn't have the cards yet. Yeah. And then I got there the day off and found out they had cards. And then I had a bit of a meltdown thinking, <laughs> thinking I wasn't going to get my card. So I totally like started crying. And then Ed was like, just go up to the woman, you big baby. <laughs> I was like, I didn't get my card. <laughs> I, I actually remember that because I think it was after the film as well. Yeah. We went outside and you were like, oh, because we had our cards and for some reason you didn't, I think. Yeah. They were like, where's my card? I want my card. And the girl felt so sorry for me. She gave me two. Oh, Ken throws a hissy fit and gets everything he wants. Yeah. Looking back years later, and this could be a segment in the podcast in itself, as I lean towards the mic. I don't remember the Pokemon film that fondly. That's a good film. It's actually surprisingly funny. A lot of these films I look back on, the likes of Pokemon... Don't uh, you say it. I know where you're going with this. I go, I go, don't you say it. I'll get on to that in a minute. But I remember not being as like oh, like blown away by them as I anticipated as a child. Mm. But I think, as you said, we didn't go to the cinema that often and things were like much bigger in your head as a child. So sometimes I hype things up to be like, so huge that they were never going to live up to my expectations as a, as a, as a young person with a tiny brain. I remember liking the Pokemon film and I, I still like the Pokemon film. You can listen to the episode of Podcast Today with the lovely Rob Reed where we talk about the Pokemon film. Episode yeah. 5 or whatever it was all the way back in the day. They're also in 1999. The best film. No, that was 2000, Gar. Oh no, what are you pivoting toward now? I'm pivoting towards Rugrats, the movie. That was a pretty big deal I was a big Rugrats fan as a was child. Rugrats the movie Rugrats in Paris or is that the second movie that's the second movie I, I think I remember more about the Wild Thornberries movie than I remember about the Rugrats movie that was a crossover though wasn't it maybe Rugrats Go Wild no there's a Wild Thornberries movie and there's Rugrats Go Wild which yeah. was a crossover actually that's like and the funny thing was I wasn't mad about the series mm-hmm. uh, the Wild Thornberries but the film is actually really good and it has Peter Gabriel's songs in it, so it's kind of elevates it. And like the Rugrats film just kept it, films just kept introducing new characters, didn't they? Yeah. There was Dill, and then there was the new sister. What was her name? Kimmy. Kimmy, yeah. It's just like, come on. It's always a sign. That's the pinky Elmira and the brain syndrome. It's just like, let's keep adding characters. That's, that's, that's how we'll keep this alive. But it, it kind of jarred me as a child because in the Rugrats movie, the animation looked kind of different. Mm. And again, I'd hyped it up hugely in my head. So actually, and it's, it's always because they put more money into it. Yeah. And it, it does objectively look better. But you're like, this isn't Rugrats. Yeah. And it's, like, I don't know. I just didn't like it. Although I had it on VHS and I watched it a lot. Like looking back, it's not really that good a film. Although it did have a banging soundtrack. Yeah. I thought you seeded one of the songs, I think. I thought you were pivoting toward Digimon again. I will t- we're pivoting towards that in a minute, Gary. Okay? Right. I probably should have put them in the other order because like Pokemon actually segues better to Digimon. Hey but Digimon, anyway, hey Digimon anyway. What I was gonna mention is that all these nineties cartoon movies and early two thousands Oh my god, so bad. Doug's another one. <laughs> Doug's first movie. And I liked Doug as a TV series. I don't know why, because it's not that good. I remember we went to see Doug when Ed went to see Wild Wild West. Yeah. Because he wouldn't go see Doug with us like a lame yeah and I think we were like so bored that we were walking around the cinema yeah because oh, yeah the, the Doug is shorter than Wild Wild West so we're like waiting for Ed just wandering about but even during the movie we're squirming in our chairs because it was really bad ah Doug that's funny Disney on 
Nickelodeon entered a bidding war for that. Yeah, it's like, oh, we need Doug. Fight! <laughs> Disney eventually got it. But the point I was making, Pokemon and like some Rugrats, they had really good soundtracks. Nothing to do with the films or the animations. They're like really obscure songs that maybe sampled. I think the main track from the Rugrats sampled the Rugrats tune. That was about it. Yeah. Uh, it was by TLC, I think. Nice. Pretty good. But like, if you look at the Pokemon soundtrack, there's a, there's a song called... Pokemon dance or something like that. It was like Pokemon. Good one. There's a, a longer version of the theme song, but it's also like like songs inspired by. There was two soundtracks, and then there's Britney Spears, Christina Aguilera. Mm. Really weird songs that like some of them are like really catchy, but like this has nothing to do with Pokemon. It's basically just like what's in the charts this month, <laughs> and what can we sell to people under the guise of Pokemon? Pretty much. Anyway, Karen, you may get onto Digimon now, which you, also debuted in '99. Yeah, you you slander the good name of the Digimon film Karen, all the time. Karen, I liked Digimon, and at the time there was a fierce rivalry that broke out on the schoolyard where a line in the sand was drawn. So you were either a Pokemon kid or a Digimon kid. You had to be one or the other. And he could not be both. And I liked them both. So naturally, I was an unpopular child. Well, th- th- that's probably unrelated to Pokemon and Digimon. <laughs> You're mean. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love Digimon. Like, the Digimon film is a good film. Again, surprisingly witty. The the, lo- the localizations on those films were really good. There was good yeah. jokes in those films. I remember, it being f- I, re- I remember it being funny. I did think it was cool that the few first two generations joined together. Mm-hmm. So that was cool. But it is made up of... A footage from short films Digimon Adventure 1989 Digimon Adventure Our War Game 2000 and the film Digimon Adventure 2 Digimon Hurricane Landing Transcendent Evolution these are Japanese names and yet a further film The Golden Digimentals 2000 also so I found it kind of frustrating because it was confusing yeah I remember we went to see it in the capital and like as you said these are three moderately related films there's a through line four four whatever uh, but I think that the the Our War Game segment is the best. Yeah. That is the the computer hacking one where Omnimon shows up for the first time. Awesome. Which is objectively, uh, it's the best part of it. But yeah, I think they're solid films. The other one has Terriermon in it, and Terriermon is adorable. I'm not saying that they're bad. You're you're saying they're bad. Individually, they are good. But at the time, it confused me because they're threaded together in a way that didn't make sense to me. And I didn't see the connection. Your child brain couldn't work out the deep intricacies of the Digimon story, Ken. Do you remember that they had a short beforehand of Angela Anaconda? Oh, I've seen it recently. I hate Angela Anaconda. Do you remember when he used to show it on TG Cater? Oscar Angela Anaconda. Tell him Angela So it was bad in English, let alone Irish. Yeah. Good old TG Cater. I like Digimon. I like Digimon to this day. I also watch Digimon. I played Digimon game on my phone recently. I uh, There's a Digimon Adventure Try DVD on my bed right now. I've been watching the... the, the uh, sequels to the Digimon Adventure series. So, who's who's more of a Digimon fan? There's a Digimon uh, Tactical RPG coming out next year, Digimon Survive. Looks like a fun game. As I said, I played a mobile game recently. It was kind of in the mode of Pokemon Go. It's one of those games you get a kick out of for a while, but then eventually you just get kind of tired of. Mm. In the sense that, like, you know, you have to log in every day and do different things. And... Then your Digimon will die, Ken, if you don't. It's like a Tamagotchi. And they don't Digivolve logically, which is... Which is a hallmark of the games, which I don't like. I, I'm the same. I'm like, why did my Agumon evolve into a Garumon? Or a Numamon. Or... Yeah. It's like, that's not... Uh, fair enough, it, it's, uh, there, there is, like, paths that spread out. But I want a linear Digivolution. I want my Greymon. That's all I want. I don't want to have to tick, like, seven different boxes to get my Greymon. I just want a Greymon. You're grey. Metal Greymon! Why was he, like, reggae? Metal Greyman. Yeah, he was like, Metal Greyman. <laughs>
You named your, your comedy troupe after a Digimon move. It is. My short-lived comedy troupe. Harpoon Torpedo. Pew pew! Of Ikakumon fame. Ikakumon made a weird face when he did that move. <laughs> his head goes down and he comes as a head bubble. His eyes go all googly. He's like Dilo Brown or something. Dude, you got the real dude now. Real deal. One. That's what I thought it was. I was so upset when I was a child when I realized, when I found out it was real deal. It's like, no, it's like, dude, you got the real dude now. That's, that's the song, right? It's like, no, it says deal. It's like, this doesn't make any sense. Actually, Gar, I'm going into 2001, and I realized there's something I left out here, and it actually is important. Like WrestleMania 17. Yeah, wrestling. Just wrestling in general. Yeah. Like, wrestling in general, because my first wrestling event was actually WrestleMania, WrestleMania 2000, but, like, I, and, in fairness, I was in at that point, but, like, after WrestleMania 17, which is objectively still the best event of all time, I was all in. It, you were all in? Yes. All in. Hashtag all in. But... Top to bottom, it's still probably the soundest card there is in wrestling history. There has been, you know, it's hard to compare, but I, I do. Maybe it's kind of I'm looking back with a fondness of that kind of rose tinted glasses of youth, but I still think it is one great event. And it great is. It's, it's widely considered one of the best wrestling events of all time. It just <laughs> this seemed, isn't a hot take. It, just, it has such a great theme song, it has such a great main event, which tried to suspect any anyway. Had the TLC, had Angle Benoit, had Shane and Vince, had all these fun matches on the undercard. It was the first WrestleMania in a long time to be in a big venue, so it seemed epic and the big mm. stage and everything. So, yeah, big first first uh, event in my long love affair at wrestling, which continues to this day. And I went to five WrestleManias myself, so I achieved that dream. Five but, times. Five times. Oh, the dream was five? <laughs> so No, the dream was the first time. Ever since that first WrestleMania, I always wanted to go. That was my dream. And I did do it. I've spent thousands and thousands and thousands of wrestling's over the years. Probably more than any of the, the nerdy things we've been talking about the last few minutes. Or half an hour, I should say. Mm. But uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't change it for anything. And I would still go to wrestling events. I was at SummerSlam this year. So. Yeah, big nerd. Wrestling's great. Okay, do you want to take us to our last two? I'm tired of talking. Bound for Glory, by the way, October 14th. Uh, Lord of the Rings. I have to hashtag BFG Comda, Ken. Come on. Sorry. Uh, Lord of the Rings uh, is good films. Good films, which I still have a great deal. I don't realize pretty much every time I forget how nostalgic I am for those films. Yeah. Until I watch those films and I'm like, I love every beat of these films. They're like comfort food. Like, not in the sense that they're not actively engaging, but they take you to like a really comfortable happy place yeah there's, there's, there's that world they create that sense of fantasy it's like this this boundless sense of adventure and obviously when Lord of the Rings came out in 2001 I would have been 9 ran through 2003 uh, well, that's one thing I didn't realise first of all it was only over the course of 3 years it seemed longer yeah, and it's 15 10, years ago anyway. since the last one yeah crazy it's mad because I, I remember uh, me and dad went to see Return of the King he bought tickets that day and then forgot to take, uh, collect me from school uh, <laughs> so yeah. I was like Dad, where have you gone? <laughs> but yeah, then we went to Lord of the Rings, Return of the King, which, as I said, the nostalgia I have for those films is is I forget how deep it is. I forget how much those films really. And I listen to, like I some of the soundtracks on Spotify, and when they come up, it's like, oh, this is so good. I'm drifting. Yeah, it just takes takes me to 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 Middle Earth and the fantasy land of death and murder. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty grim, but you know that's. Uh, well, th- th- there's a reoccurring theme of hope throughout those films, which really helps. Yeah, the only time, the only reason it gets so murky and dark is so that the light is so much brighter yes. at the end. But I do remember feeling the effects of those films, though, because, well, first of all, when I went into the first one, I had no idea what Lord of the Rings was. I was mm-hmm. going to a friend's birthday party, and we went to it together. I had no idea what it was, and I'm just like, whoa, what is this? Yeah. 
and I was just like, this is amazing. And then, but like going to the other two, like I do remember them being quite long and my bum going quite numb. Yes, they are very long films. But also being really absorbed. But I also remember at the at the end of the third one, I'm like, when's this film gonna end? Not like in a I want this to end, but I'm like the false finishes. It's false finish. Like, it, it's famous for the false finishes. <laughs> it fades to black, and you're like, okay. And it fades to white, and you're like, okay. And if and it, it oh, oh, oh no, there's another three more scenes. Okay. <laughs> I think it ends three times. Yeah. But obviously, they, they, they were like huge. It's 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 impossible to overstate how like huge they were at the time. It was probably the last big blockbuster to be really successful at the Oscars. I know Avatar was somewhat successful. Yeah, I, I, I think I, I think if the Lord of the Rings films were made beat for beat today, they don't get Best Picture hype. No. Which I, I kind of don't like. I like the idea that different kind of films get nominated. It's not just, we have a very important message to tell people. Yeah, because there was a scale and a skill and a mastery of making filmmaking on that scale, uh, on that, you know, the broad what's the word I'm looking for scale I used the word scale twice I'm sorry gladiator <laughs> yeah just the epic filmmaking and the, the handling that I know that there was special effects but there was a lot of practical effects though like handling that many extras and you know it was a feat of filmmaking in itself and it is one of the best film trilogies of all time so it deserved to be rewarded and I suppose if you look in later years the Hobbit trilogy which isn't as bad as some people say. I like. The, I will defend the Hobbit trilogy as being a perfect. It's not Lord of the Rings, okay? It's it's not. It don't. It's not trying to be. But, but it's a perfectly fine drill. It's fun. Got little or no notice at the Oscars, though. If you look at it. Well, yeah, probably didn't deserve it either. Yeah. They're not Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings are phenomenal feats of filmmaking. Those films are on scale and ambition and execution, on acting and music and and then special effects and practical effects. Those films are are mastery on every level. You could see everyone, I've seen a few of the behind the scenes stuff, like that everyone was really dedicated to making it and wanted it to be good and gave their everything to it and that it really showed on screen as well. And years later, me and my friends tried to watch all the extended editions in one day. That's a mistake. And you could see like, God, there's like hours more that went into this. Mm. So it's just such so broad and sprawling that, you know, it deserves its place in history and it deserves its place in our hearts, Karen. And they'll be remade and we'll be mad and they'll probably be worse. Yeah, after The Hobbit, his estate said no more adaptations and then they sold out to Amazon. Well, it was, it was literally... Uh, um, his son. Uh, what's his name? James? P- Peter Tolkien? Christopher Tolkien? Christopher, yeah. Christopher Tolkien literally is like, okay, I no longer oversee the estate. And it's like, hello, Amazon. <laughs> Would you like to make an adaptation of Lord of the Rings? It's a prequel, isn't it? It's either a prequel, like, the one property they haven't dipped too much into is the Samarillion. Well, that's because it's very dense and stupid. Yeah, there's stuff in there they could take from to adapt, you know? Yeah. So there is stuff that they can use, but I've heard it's a prequel. I don't think there's any value in doing a remake at this point, even if over TV series. It's, it hasn't been long enough, I don't think. Yeah. Last thing you have on this list is Harry Potter. Expelliarmus. Yeah. Yeah, again, when in 2000, when it was about 2000, the first movie film came out. The book was like 98, 99. Yeah, or 96. Wasn't that early? I think so. Oh, it couldn't have been that early. But it only came it's, from- I, I always love when you see like, the Harry Potter books and films are set in the 90s. It's like, they are? <laughs> yeah. But um, it only came to my consciousness uh, when the film came out in 2000. Mm. And again, it's something I grew up with. Kind of like, it's the same thing. You grew up with the kids that were in the movies. Yeah. It's, uh, that, that's true too yeah that, that reached the, the 
Deathly Hallows as I was when I was, that would have been 2011. I would have been uh, 19. Yeah. So roughly the same age as those children. I read. I did read it. I was. Re- I was. I was a Harry Potter hipster at first. It's yeah. like wizards. Oh, that's nerd stuff. And then I read the books. It's like, oh, look, this is actually really good. God damn it! It's such a richly imagined and detailed world that you can't help but get caught up in it. Mm. And as I said, the only thing was that bothered me. I know it had to get darker in tone because it, the stakes were upped and it got more serious. Because the first film is very lighthearted compared to the rest of them, uh, and even the second one is, is not that kind of dense. But like Azkaban was a decided shift, and I know it changed director at that point. Yeah, but it became, it became very, it became too self serious then. Yeah, like like the early films are very Spielbergian. Yeah, it's like wondering kids and and whimsy. And there's a bit of peril there, but it's kind of resolved in the end. But it became quite grim in the end, I thought, to the point where I still enjoyed it. But there were times when I'm just like, especially I think it was the start of the fourth when I'm like, is this even a Harry Potter film? It seems like a grim, grim. Emo film. That, my problem is like the color palette was just. And I, I've done reviews of every one of these films for a podcast a day, but uh, my, my big problem is like the color palette is just stripped out of it. Yeah. It just it's just become so like just just gray. It's like the bittersweet symphony video yeah. of movies. Anyway, that's basically. And like, like first, the Harry Potter series does get darker as it goes through. That is, that is a, a feature of the books as well as the films. But you don't have to take the color out. <laughs> I think that was missing at times during the series, but it still a, stands up as a very good series of films and an even better series of books. And I'm just hoping they don't, uh, J.K. Rowling doesn't bend to pressure to make more. Uh, she'll write more. I, I, she, you can you can feel she wants to. I think I, I think I really do think she wants to write a sequel, and she probably will. And uh, they'll remake the the seven films and probably make them all into half, so there'll be fourteen of them instead of eight. <laughs> They've got a play as well; they can adapt. Oh yeah, that'll happen too, won't it? Uh, don't read that because they made a quote-unquote book version of the play and it just, it just doesn't really work as a, a, a written text or a, a, a text to be read rather than a text to be performed. I haven't read it but Gary turned me off it so I haven't I do still want to see the play but it's still very hard to get into. Is it still? Yeah, I'd go see the play. i definitely go see the play. You can like you can see it, it's two halves you can see it's separate days or there's one I think there's one day a week you can see it in uh, in one part like not one part but like twice in one day it seems very intense but we did it ourselves we went to Limmy's and Book of Mormon one day so it can be done yeah we had a nice dinner in between yeah so that's our childhood can just spilled it all out in basically an hour there yeah like like we 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 have very obviously uh, there's other stuff I'd probably include like Final Fantasy games yeah which I think were very important to my childhood but yeah we've already got an hour I'll talk about them some other day we can go back to this segment again because I think to encapsulate as I said we, we spilled out our childhoods and we only scratched the surface so, you know, we can maybe come back to it in the future. Yeah, so what are yours? What do you love? Uh, Ken, Twitter, whatever, TWSKK, or just our personal Twitters, because I don't check that. Do you check that? I check it. All right, Ken, Ken will see that. I won't. But <laughs> Okay, I'll plug it better than Gary did. If you want to tell us what your favourite childhood moments or events were, you can tweet us at TWSKK, or you can also find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash TWSKK. Solid newsreader voice there, Ken. Thank you. I did a journalism master's. <laughs> Do they teach you the voice? No. Oh, I, I learned it myself for extra credit. It's finally paying off. Okay, DigiJestined, that's it for this week. Thank you, as always, for taking the time to click play or download on the podcast. You can find a new episode every weekend at soundcloud.com forward slash TWSKK. Star or asterisk there. It's mostly every weekend, but we'll try. 
we did we nearly had this last week so we nearly had it we actually started to record it and i watched it so we i decided rather than give you podcasting trash instead of a podcast hug that i would trash it throw it into the garbage and we'd start again this week i'm deleting this episode just because you said podcast hug that's also where you'll find our other show podcast a week yes definitely <laughs> podcast a week ish i will stress as gara hasn't released an episode in some months mm, punch you in the face and it's also where you can find the entire back catalogue of The Weekend Show. Make sure to subscribe on iTunes or SoundCloud so you never miss any of the podcasts on the TWS Network. Speaking of which, if you're a fan of the show, please, 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 consider leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts. Has anyone ever left us a review? <laughs> no. Not even Ed. Not even Matthew. Not even Rob Reed. Robin Reed. That's a superhero name. He's Robinus of a review. Whoa! You can find our feed under TWS Network if you want to write us a review, and if you do, we will like you. Benny just bullied Rob into doing a review. <laughs> Rob, listen to me for a second, okay? It really is the best way to spread the word and bring new listeners to our show. That's what you want, isn't it, Rob? And Matthew and Ed. Maybe they just want us for themselves. They don't want us to be successful. They just, you know, when when the band gets popular and you're like, their old stuff was better, I don't like them anymore. Maybe that's going to be us with them. They're too mainstream now. In appreciation, Rob and Co., we will send you a copy of Space Jam on VHS. Do we have a copy of Space Jam on VHS? No, but we can get one. We might. If you look through like the the the, the, the freaking cupboard that we have all those old tapes in, yeah, one of those might have Space Jam on it. I don't remember having it. Because uh, I know, like Hocus Pocus is probably on one of those. Because I remember that was one we had on tape. You know, you know there was like the set of tapes that you don't record over. There's yeah, like, the bootleg tapes. These are the ones we want to keep. Of which Hocus Pocus was one. I think Space Jam was one at one stage. We've already said where you can find us on Facebook and Twitter, but you can also find us on our own Twitters. Gar, where are you on Twitter at? Where are you tweeting at? Uh, at Gar Kidney, that's my name. I'm also tweeting at my name, at Ken Kidney. Send us any comments, queries, questions, concerns, or even hate. Just send us something. Just show us that you're listening and that you're alive out there. Next week, as we mentioned earlier, we will be doing a review of episode one of Doctor Who, series 11. Mm -hmm. And we will also be delving into US politics for the first time in a serious way. (laughs) Basically, what we want to do is bring an out... Bury it. Bury it. (laughs) Yeah, bury it, pour concrete over it, you know, get a a priest to deconsecrate it or whatever. Sure, and hope it never comes back, but it's a Freddy Krueger film, so it'll come back. We're going to present an outside perspective on American politics with the spotlight on the recent, or as we are speaking, could be past nomination of he, he's gonna be Brett Kavanaugh. That's going to be sad for the entire world, isn't it? <laughs> and also looking forward to the midterm election. So hmm. we're just going to give an outside European slash Irish perspective on that. Slash doom and gloom, depression. <laughs> you know, All that fun stuff when it comes to American politics. Without those rose-tinted glasses that all you Republican lovely people wear. Because we have a ton of Republican listeners. Yes. Who are like, oh, MAGA. We were brought to you this week by our sponsor, the Cybermen. Delete, delete, delete. What did I tell you about Cybermen, Ken? And you're supposed to go, Cybermen, delete, delete, delete. Okay, the Cybermen are acts from Doctor Who, so now they're in our podcast every season. Are the Cybermen actually Matt Hardy? Yes. Ah, that makes sense. He is a Cyberman. Our theme music is by Blue Wild Productions, and until next time, say goodbye, girl. Bye, everybody. Take it easy, everybody. Bye.